Well, good morning to each one. I greet you in our Savior's name this morning. We had been praying for rain. The Lord has answered prayer. We've received rain, and God is good this morning. For the message this morning, I invite you to turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to use the first 17 verses for sermon text this morning. Titled the message, Points for Practical Living. And these verses are filled with exhortations about how we live. And they all involve action. Paul lays out for us in this passage points of action for practical Christian living. And we'll go ahead and get before we read the passage. First one is seek the things that are above. Next one is set your mind on things that are above. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly. Put off the old self. Put on the new self. Let peace rule. Let the word of Christ dwell. Do everything in the name of the Lord for the glory of God. And actively give thanks. Read Colossians 3, verse 17 verses at this time. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds." And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of him that created him. Whether there, excuse me, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, longsuffering, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So it begins here with, If ye then be risen with Christ. Because that we know that Jesus is really raised from the dead, then our identification with Him becomes real. 
It is only because we were raised with Christ that we can seek those things which are above. And all these things are only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do them on our own. The only way to have victory over sin is found in our experience of being united with Christ. Only those who are born again and washed in the blood of the Lamb and powered by the Holy Spirit can do these things. If we try to do it in the flesh, we will fail. And without the Holy Spirit, these 17 verses are only the letter of the law. It becomes the law without the Spirit. The Bible tells us we are to live by the Spirit. We're to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians 3, 5, and 6 says, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. And with the Spirit, you can take these 17 verses and they will give life. If you try to walk them out outside of the Spirit, they will become the letter of the law. That's why Paul begins in verse 1 by saying, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, the first thing he tells us is to seek those things that are above. And this above is where Christ sitteth, on the right hand of God. So our first action word is seek. You must do it. In the Greek, the word seek means to strive for something earnestly. It means we need to seek something out with a desire to possess it. This verb is what we call a present imperative. The present imperative tense. And that suggests a continuous action. Don't just seek once, but keep on seeking. Keep moving towards seeking that which is above. So what is above where Christ is seated? What is it that we're supposed to be seeking? Paul simply says, seek those things which are above. What is above? We're supposed to be seeking the blessings that we have been given. We're to focus on the blessings in which we were given. Where do they come from? They are from above. They are not from below. The Old Testament was about blessings from below. Israel was promised blessings. They said, here is the land. Here's your enemies. You will conquer them. Their crops. They said, here are your crops. They will grow well for you. Here's your children. They will be strong and healthy. It was all below. We have a different covenant than what Israel did. Our blessings are not below. Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. 
Notice where those blessings are located. It says in heavenly places. That is where your blessings are. They are in heavenly places. No, that doesn't mean that God doesn't bless, bless us below. God does bless us below. He blesses us with sunshine. He blesses us with rain. He allows us to earn wealth so that we can buy food and clothing. But this is not primarily where our covenant blessing, blessings are. He blesses many people that way. The Bible tells us he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. But the special blessings that are ours in Christ are above. And that's what Paul is saying here in this verse in Ephesians. When he says to seek that which is above, he's telling us to recognize the fleeting nature of anything that is on earth. Blessings that come our way can be gone just as quickly as in which they came. In 2008, when the economy slumped. Those that had a lot of financial investments lost thousands, some even hundreds of thousands of dollars. It can be gone so quickly. But your true blessings are stored above. So God's word tells us where to seek those things earnestly. If you have your sights focused here, you will lose sight of what's up there and the true blessings above. James tells us that our life is but a vapor. It's like the grass of the field that springs up and looks great for a short time. And it gets scorched by the sun and it's gone. So there's this overwhelmingly drive from those that don't know the Lord to hang on to the only blessing they have or the only one they can see their lives and some Christians have got sucked into it as well the fear, the focus that this life is all that there is and we must hang on to it with a death grip what is going to happen if this life becomes your treasure what's going to happen is that your heart is going to be there also Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures above in heaven. For where your treasure is, that is where you will find your heart. With treasures on earth, you have things like moth and rust. They destroy. These will break in and steal from you. With treasures above, you have no moth, no rust to destroy. Thieves cannot take it from you. Turn with me to Luke chapter 12. Luke 12, verse 33. It says, Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. Where no thief approaches, nor moth destroys. As believers, our treasure is in heaven, so our heart should be there also. So earnestly seek those blessings that are above. 
Paul speaks of something else that is above. Also found in verse 1. I'm back in Colossians chapter 3. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Part of seeking the things above is putting our attention on the fact that there is this sovereign rule which is exercised by Jesus Christ right now at the right hand of God. Jesus our Savior right now, at this very moment, is seated at the right hand of God. In the Bible, the right hand, you know, it's power, all power. It's a symbol for power, and Jesus is seated there. It says, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Don't get overwhelmed with what all is going on in the world. The violence, the lawlessness that is happening. We're to focus our attention above, on the throne of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that we should be ignorant to what's going on around us. But I believe if our focus is there, we face danger of being sucked in. Getting burdened down. Or you focus so much on the things below that you lose your joy, your peace. Yet we eat away at your faith. Focus your attention above on the throne of Jesus Christ. Set your affection on the things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who has our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Speaking of the rapture. First we are told to seek the things above. Now we are exhorted to set our minds. Another action. After you have sought them and found them, now set your mind on them. The first one speaks of striving, and the second one speaks of concentrating. Concentrate your mind on things that are above, things that are eternal, not temporal. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We are told to fix our minds on things that we cannot see. That messes with us because we like things that we can, we like things that appeal to our senses. We want to see it. We want to feel it. We want to taste it. We want to hear it. And we want to smell it. And we want to handle it with our hands. But you can't. So there's this other sense we have to use. It's the sense of faith. I can't see it. I can't smell it. I can't hear it. But you have to have faith that is there. Look not at what you can see, but at the things which are not seen. It takes faith to look at something you can't see. Verse 5 says, here in verse 5 we have our next point of action. It says, mortify therefore your members, which are upon the earth. Then we have a list. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Ephesians 5.3 says, But fornication, all uncleanness, or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. 
neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. These are things that will distance you from your relationship with God. Sexual immorality will cause a problem between you and God. Impurity, passions that are connected with evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry, and so on. Put it to death. Kill it. This word mortify is a Greek verb, and it means just that, to make dead. It doesn't just refer to resisting. We're to resist the devil, the Bible tells us. But sin we are to put to death. Destroy it. In the power of the Holy Spirit, eradicate it. Mortify to make dead. Paul speaks numerous times throughout the New Testament, New Testament about our condition apart from Christ as it relates to sin. Romans 7.14 For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Here Paul gives you and I an understanding of our spiritual condition apart from Christ. We're slaves sold under sin. And through Christ, that control has been broken. Because we died with Christ, the sin no longer is our master. We now have a new master, which is God. The old master was sin. But be careful. Just because I'm free from sin doesn't mean, I, doesn't mean I'm sin-free. It's important that we understand that. Jesus set us free from the mastery of sin, but doesn't mean that you're sin-free. In verse 6, Paul gives us the reason we are to put to death sin. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. This is what you lived in, but now we are to put off these things and we have a list. Verse 8. But now ye also put all, off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. I'm appalled at times at some of the choice of words that people use and they call themselves Christians. I hear words like rhyming words that are similar to words that the Christian shouldn't use. So I caution us. Let's be careful with, with our language, our communication. It says, Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. You have to put off the old self with the evil practices, evil deeds. Put on the new man, which is not being destroyed, it's being renewed. Verse 10 tells us, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Here Paul uses a different term now to describe the process of sin and how we are to treat it. We are to put it off and we are to put on. He's talking about nature. Put off the old natural man that used to live under the bondage of sin. Put off the old sinful nature and put on the new Christ-like nature 
that dwells within us through the Holy Spirit. In chapter 2, Paul talks about this process of putting off sin. I want to go back and look at it. Colossians 2, verse 11. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. This was a work of the Spirit. It says, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Something I want us to notice in verse, this verse. It says, in him you were. It's past tense. You were. In him you were also circumcised. And that lines up with what he is saying here in verses 9 and 10 of chapter 3. When he says, have put on the character of Christ. Having, having put on, past tense again. The putting off the sinful nature, not with a, with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ. Here he makes us aware that when we came to Christ, there was a fundamental change in our identity. There was this shift in who we are. It has already happened. It happened when we met Jesus at the cross. When we recognized that it was my sin that put him there. When by faith we embrace what he did for us on the cross and accepted the forgiveness that he us through his sacrificial death. Now he exhorts us to bring our behavior, our daily actions into a place of consistency with that new identity. The work has been done. Now bring your daily life into line with what Jesus has done, past tense. When he circumcised you with a circumcision not done with human hands, but by the Spirit, and through that circumcision, put off the sinful nature. It's been done. Now live it out. You and I must now walk it out. Walk it out by faith. Verse 11, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision. And that's speaking of the physical circumcision. Barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. God cares about the condition of your heart. Man comes up with all kinds, with all this bias. Man looks on the outside. In another passage, it says that even male and female doesn't matter in light of eternity. It doesn't exist in eternity. Galatians 3.28 There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ. This new man, the elect of God, this means that God has chosen the Christian and chosen him to be something special in his plan. Verse 12 says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, Meekness, long-suffering. He now talks about what we have put on in Christ. These are attributes of God. He now has communicated those attributes to you and I through the Holy Spirit. Now we're to put them on and walk them out. Each one of the qualities mentioned in this passage express themselves in relationships. 
You may say, I'm not a very patient person. Christ has done his work in you to deposit his character in your heart. We're talking about attributes of God. Walk out patience. His patience, make it yours. His kindness, make it yours. Let his kindness flow through you to others. As well as the other attributes, they are his. Make them yours and use them to bless others. Verse 13, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. I'm going to read that verse in the NIV. It says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Maybe you say, but I cannot forgive. No, you can't. Of yourself, you cannot. But with Christ in you, His power, His ability in you to forgive. What did Jesus say? Jesus, when He was hanging on the cross, He looked down at the people who were mocking Him and who had just nailed Him to the cross. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. That same Jesus is living in you. Focus on what Jesus can do in you. And it's only through the power of the Spirit that you can release them. We're told to live forgiving one another. After the pattern of Jesus' forgiveness toward us, understanding the way Jesus forgave us will always make us more generous with forgiveness and never less generous. Then he says we're to put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Verse 14, and above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Paul told the Corinthians that love is the most excellent way. It perfectly fulfills what God requires of us as it relates to our relationships, one to another in the body of Christ. Then beginning in verse 15, we have three final exhortations. First one, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. This word rule means to arbitrate. Let the peace of God act as a referee or an umpire in your heart. Let the peace of God make the call. Let the peace of Christ judge. Let the peace of Christ decide. Let the peace of God govern in your hearts. Don't let emotions make the call because emotions are like roller coasters. They go up and down. They're up one minute and down the next. And eventually you won't know which end is up. To let our emotions rule only brings confusion. Let the peace of God rule. Let it make the call. Occasionally somebody, you'll hear the expression, I just don't have peace about it. I've been seeking and searching for peace, for the peace of Christ in this situation, and I just don't have peace. Or they may say, God has given me peace, 
And I'm going to let that be the rule of this situation. Be looking for the peace of God to be the rule, to be that referee. Second exhortation found in verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word dwell means to inhabit. Let the word of Christ inhabit your heart. And the word, so let the word of Christ inhabit your heart abundantly. So bathe in the word. Let the word of God penetrate your heart. Your innermost being. I want to go to Matthew 7, verses 24 and 25. Matthew 7, verse 24 and 25. It says, Therefore, who hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. I ask you, will your house stand? For that man, the rain came. The winds blew and beat on that house, but it didn't fall because it was founded on the rock. Because the word of Christ dwell richly in that heart, will your anchor hold? A song we sometimes sing says, Will your anchor hold? By Priscilla Jane Owens, will your anchor hold in the storms of life when the clouds unfold their wings of strife, when the strong tides lift? And the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? Will your anchor hold in the straits of fear when the breakers roar and the reef is near? While the surges rage and the wind, excuse me, and the wild winds blow, shall the angry waves then your bark overflow? We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep, in the Savior's love. Talks about psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I believe this variety suggests that God delights in creative, spontaneous worship. In verse 17, we have our final exhortation. It says, And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So Paul wraps it up here where he says, If I have left anything out, this whatsoever is all-inclusive. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father by Him. Do you know what it means to do something in the name of Jesus? It means in the authority of Whatever you do in word or deed, do it in the authority of Jesus, giving thanks to the Father by Him. Are you thankful? Are you giving thanks to God? Being thankful communicates that we serve a good God. The opposite is also true. If you're a complainer, that kind of communicates to people that you don't, don't serve a good God. 
And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So in closing, I want to recap the points for practical living here in these verses. Seek the things that are above. And once you seek, set your mind on them. Set your mind on the things that are above. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly. Put off the old self. Put on the new self. Let peace rule. Let the peace of God be the referee. Let the word of Christ dwell, inhabit. Do everything in the name of the Lord for the glory of God. And actively give thanks. Will your anchor hold in the floods of death? When the waters cold, chill your latest breath. On the rising tide, you can never fail, while your anchor holds within the veil. Will your eyes behold, through the morning light, the city of gold and the harbor bright? Will you anchor safe by the heavenly shore, when life's storms are past forevermore? We have an anchor that keeps the soul, steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Shall we have a song?